If you appreciate this work, consider supporting it on Patreon. Link in the show notes. Hello, friend. Welcome. Thank you for taking time out today to seek God. This is a brave choice. Whether you believe in God or struggle with belief or somewhere in between, seeking God is the greatest thing that you can do. And we're taking the risk that God is there, listens to you, and wants you to pursue Him. The journey will be rewarding. In the few minutes we have together, we'll worship by praying, reading scripture, and reflecting. This is your time. I'm only here to help. If you're able, I encourage you to bow down, lay down, sit down. Calming our bodies and minds is not only relaxing, but it reminds us of our own limitations and that a non-physical God is sought in non-physical ways. What matters most is that this time is set apart and is unique from the rest of the events in your day. So once you're comfortable, let's begin. Close your eyes and take in a deep breath. You're about to speak to the creator of everything. Might seem like meditation, but it's not. Meditation is turning inward into yourself. Prayer, on the other hand, is intentionally reaching beyond ourselves to the source of everything. We're reaching into the void. And what will happen is unknown. But that's where all real adventures are. Now speak out loud or in your mind. Of course, God can... Know what you think just as well as he knows what you say. So express your intentions for this time. You can say, God, I want to know you. Even the things that are strange to me, if it's from you, I want to know. Now take a moment and express these thoughts to God in your own way. read scripture because we believe that God has communicated and has revealed himself to people who have written their experiences down for our benefit. We don't have to understand it. We don't have to be Bible scholars, but it is important that we receive it and believe that God communicates. Today we'll read Leviticus chapter 12 verses 2 through 5. These verses say, Tell the Israelites, When a woman becomes pregnant and gives birth to a male child, she will be unclean seven days. She will continue in purification from her bleeding for 33 days. She must not touch any holy thing or go into the sanctuary until completing her days of purification. But if she gives birth to a female child, she will be unclean for two weeks, as she is during her menstrual impurity. She will continue in purification from her bleeding for 66 days. There are a lot of weird things in scripture, and this one ranks near the top. Just to summarize in case you missed it, 
a woman is essentially unclean for 40 days if she has a boy, and 80 days total if she has a girl. 40 days unclean for a boy, and 80 days for a girl. Why is this in the Bible? I have no clue. We already believe that scripture is inspired of God, but is also written within the context and agendas of the writers. Is this saying that little girls are twice as impure as little boys? I sure hope not. We're by far not the first to question this passage. Ancient Hebrew scholars came up with some very creative and in some cases hysterical explanations, including, but not limited to, the length of time it takes for a woman to repent of swearing off ever having sex again. I kid you not. Supposedly, this time is less for a boy because male babies were more preferable. You can't make this stuff up. Other explanations include the biological idea that if sperm goes to one side, a male is produced, and on the other side, a female, and it takes half as long for, quote, rotted blood to leave the body from the male side versus the female side. Ugh. I prefer the Adam and Eve explanation. Whatever your particular views of Genesis 1 through 3, the narrative states that Adam was in the garden first, and then later Eve is revealed as a mystery hidden within Adam. In a sense, then, Adam has a head start in exploring God's world. The females get a little more time then. Whatever the explanation, notice a few other things. First, Leviticus, far from being mean, is giving a new mom time to bond. There's no rush back to work or any additional responsibilities given other than laying low and spending time with the new baby. Second, while we didn't read it, the verses following spell out the need for an atonement offering. It's the same for males and females. There's not an extra offering for females. All humanity requires the same thing to be right with God, a sacrifice. And this sacrifice is offered before the baby has done anything immoral. It's necessary, and provision is made even without the baby's consent. And finally, the females get a longer period of time. And while this could understandably be viewed as a knock against females, just consider that everything in creation led up to a female, not to a male. The crowning moment of goodness didn't come with Adam, but with Eve. When a man and woman get married, the groom walks in unceremoniously and without fanfare. But then everyone stands to attention and marvels at the glory of the beautiful bride in the white dress. And in the future, Jesus will get his bride. Yes, he's made all the provision. He did all the sacrificing and suffering. Yes, he's the king and the savior. But all his attention and romantic energy 
is aimed in one direction. The female, the bride, the church, the humanity that he is reconciling back to himself. God, even in strange passages, we can see you and marvel at you. I am part of your bride. Show me more of what this means. Thank you for taking this time. Feel free to stay as long as you like. May God bless your day, and I look forward to being here with you again next time.